0: Osha was the epitome of racism, and I wanted nothing more than to run away. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got older, because I didn't want to deal with it anymore, and that frame shift of well, running away doesn't fix it for the people coming behind me, and so I've lived through it. I can do something about it, um, and then seeing that it's just it comes full circle, and it just encourages you and tells you you're on the right path. Keep going; it can get better, and it is. Mm-hmm. Um, because people showed up and were willing to put the work in. And so, you know, we will change the future for so many.
1: Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to episode 19 of the Learn With Lyle's podcast. In this episode, I spoke with Shailene Pinello, who is an Oshawa resident, community leader, and the organizer of the Oshawa Black Lives Matter protest that happened last month. In our conversation, Shailene talked about the Black Lives Matter movement, what planning the Oshawa protest was like and how it went, how her experience with racism growing up has impacted her work and the changes she's striving toward, the importance of taking care of your energy when doing anti-racism work, and what people can do if they want to get involved. We also talked a bit about what she does as a natural hair educator, which is definitely a very interesting and complex topic, so if she's up for it, I might have to have her back on to talk about that in the future. Around the 15-minute mark, we did have a few seconds of connectivity issues, so I apologize for that when you're listening, but the content is still all really great, and a huge thank you goes to Shailene. We covered some big and important topics in our conversation, and I appreciate her taking the time to talk with me and to spread some knowledge that I hope will be helpful for people. I also feel the need to point out that there's so much great information out there about Black Lives Matter, anti-racism, and allyship, so if you don't know what to do or if you don't understand something, I encourage you to just look it up. There's so much out there and I hope that aside from listening to this that you continue to learn and unlearn and use your voice and get involved wherever you can. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on it.
0: Oh, thanks for the invite, and I'm sorry I had to sort of jostle schedules a little bit.
1: Yeah, no worries. Um, so for our audience, do you mind just introducing yourself?
0: Sure. So my name is Shaylene Pinello. I'm a resident of Oshawa and have been for most of my life. Um, I'm also a community organizer, a director of Durham Black Students Network, um, and a previous federal NDP candidate for Oshawa.
1: Mm -hmm, Cool. Very nice. Lots of stuff there. And I saw you at the Oshawa Black Lives Matter protest. Um, I thought you did an amazing job of hosting and just educating everybody and keeping the crowd calm when some people came and crashed. So, yeah, that whole experience was great for everyone who was there. So congratulations on that.
0: Thank you. Um,
1: Yeah, so what are your thoughts on how that event went?
0: So, I was very happy with how it turned out. I was definitely surprised with the numbers that we got, um, especially considering I had only really had about a day and a half, two days, three tops to, to pull it together.
2: Oh, wow.
0: Um, yes. So, previously, another community organizer who does not identify as Black had started the organization of a protest-type Um, rally march sort of thing for Oshawa Mm -hmm. Um, and it was handed off to me because they decided they wanted to you know make space and and amplify black voices which I thought was really great um, Mm -hmm. and really embodies that idea of allyship so I appreciated that and but with with so many people having already sort of been flagged of the existence of a potential march Um, on the Friday, just before the Sunday where we've moved it to, it was very quick turnaround to sort of redo and undo some of the things that had been um, done, spread the message, get everyone together. The community was amazing coming together. The people, we had lots of small businesses donate so, so many things from hundreds and hundreds of, um, you know, drinks and beverages for people to sanitizer, masks, um, just about anything you could imagine, snacks, even, so it was very heartwarming to see, and it was nice to be embraced by the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yes, yeah, so obviously with the turnout, there was I haven't seen the final count and the like official count, but what's been published in articles, they've all quoted over 2,000 attendees. so oh, wow. that's insane, and <laughs> I haven't seen that many people. In Memorial Park, ever mm-hmm. unless we're talking about, you know, like Remembrance Day or sometimes even Fiesta Week. So it was very shocking in a good way, mm-hmm. um, moving, powerful, and overall, I was very, very proud of of Oshawa, of the Durham region, and of everyone who came out. So, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah, that's great. I didn't know that it was um, kind of like a, a quick planning. That's amazing for. Oh yes. Just- <laughs> Thank
2: That's
0: so stressful. You, yes, and no. <laughs> um, yes and no, but I, I find that things kind of just work out how they're meant to. And it happened really quickly, and I didn't really have time to him and haw or, or question or doubt myself at all. And I think that was valuable because neither did the others who volunteered to help organize it. And so we just hit the ground running and, and got it done. And I think, had we had more time, Maybe some things could have been a little different, but if we'd had too much time, you run the risk of overthinking it and, and stressing about things that ultimately will be how they're going to be. Um, so, yeah, I was grateful for how it all turned out.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, one of my favorite parts was your kind of procedure for how you and the volunteers handled the crashers. Um, so can you talk about that a bit and what your process was and how you ended up having to carry it all out?
0: So thank you, first of all. Um, so, pardon me. The strategy was really based on, and and people laugh when I tell them this, but it was really based on all the years I spent playing soccer as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> um, on the on the field, when someone was injured, and you know, the ref blew the whistle, everyone knelt so that it was easier to see where the injured person was, and they could focus help and attention there. So, it was the same principle. I had. Um, about 10, 15 volunteers with golden whistles um, spread throughout the park, as well as one central volunteer who had um, a megaphone that had the alarm capabilities to it.
1: So Mm -hmm. the
0: idea was that these individuals would be solely on the lookout for, you know, disruptances or injuries or emergencies um, in the crowd. And so if something was seen, one person would blow a whistle. And if the other whistle holders heard that whistle go. They started blowing their whistle as sort of a domino effect until the person with the megaphone in the center sounded the alarm. So that alarm sounding would pause everything that was happening on the stage, um, regardless of who was speaking. And we would all take a knee Mm -hmm. to make it easier for everyone to see. The marshals would go over um, and, and the disturbance would be dealt with community-wise. So the idea was community, policing, community, so that we didn't put any bodies in harm's way, especially because we had anticipated that there would be a police presence, and there was.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so not wanting to create any opportunities for the very thing that we were protesting
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, to, to occur. So that was essentially how it worked. We had, I believe, three small disturbances all different in nature, um, mm-hmm. one of which solved itself. By the, time, by the time the people at the front heard the whistles, it was already solved. So um, by the time we had all finished kneeling, it was already resolved. And I thought that really speaks volumes about our capacity as community members when we're given the tools and the opportunity to hold each other accountable in a way that's you know, healthy and doesn't give anyone a power trip
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, we can we can do it and we we do do it and we can do it with you know class and grace and all of those things and solidarity so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, that was essentially the gist and the the purpose of that but yeah worked mm-hmm. really well
1: yeah <laughs> it was amazing that's so funny that you were inspired by soccer <laughs>
0: right of all things but yeah. you can hear before you can see in many cases and so um, and then the kneeling was a very visual way. And so I wanted to make sure it was going to be accessible to people. Um, yeah. So thank you yeah, that's for recognizing cool. it. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Uh, side note, what soccer p- team did you play on?
0: <laughs> oh gosh. Um, I just grew up playing like recreational soccer, um, mm-hmm. when I was still in Oshawa, um, What was it? Like I started like Baker Park when I was itty bitty. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then as I was older, Kedron and, you know, within Oshawa, but Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: Yeah. I really admired that whole process, especially because I feel like a lot of people, a lot of people, their first response to everything that's been happening has been to talk about the looting and to Mm -hmm. kind of focus on that and to, take away from the real cause of ending police brutality and making Black Lives Matter. So it was great to be part of something that was just fully peaceful and shut down any hate. Um, but with that said, though, I can totally like empathize how things went from protests to riots in other places. But I do wish that there was more coverage of the peaceful activities like the Oshawa protest.
0: Absolutely. I agree. I think the media in and of itself has shown that they have a lot of um, internal anti-black racism that they also have to tackle and address in how mm-hmm. they you know buy into those you know typical character tropes of you know angry black women and uh, dangerous black men and all of these sort of things and the allies um, even how they'll frame protesters as you know whether you want to use the term snowflakes or radicals or lefties or whatever but they have a lot of um, unpacking and things that they also need to do that they've, to this point, gotten mostly away with by, you know, hiding under the guise of, well, we're reporting the news, we're reporting what we see when we see it, but in reality, the images you depict and the, the messages that you send implicitly and complicitly play a huge role in, in developing that narrative for other people, and mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't be a reporter and dismiss the role that you play in creating those narratives for other people. So it's definitely a conversation that needs to be had more where they are held to account for how they focus on things. Yes, you know, it, it it gets lots of clicks and it gets lots of attention and buzz, but it's not the full story. And so, you know, if you're trying to at least claim to not be biased, you need to be trying to depict the stories of those whose voices are often Um, forgotten or ignored and overlooked.
1: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, there's so much learning that everybody is realizing that they're needing to do from this, which is good too. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, hopefully people are coming to some good realizations. Um, Yeah, so I remember at the event, you were saying something about how growing up in Oshawa as a Black woman, um, you wouldn't have ever expected to be in a setting where so many people were coming out in Oshawa to support Black people. So um, can you talk about that a bit and why that event was so important for this town specifically?
0: Sure. So Oshawa is a really interesting place. And that will mean a lot of things to a lot of people, but we've changed a lot over the last 15 years. And that's even being generous because we've changed a lot over the past five years too. But focusing on that more long-term comparison of when I was in grade school until now, um, how race was discussed or not discussed, it's like night and day. Um, It's still not perfect. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, By no means am I dismissing that, but I was in grade school and high school here in a time when I was one of very few, if any other, um, Black students. And when I, you know, had two teachers and three students in particular who really singled me out and harassed me and were racist um, in person, online, those sort of things. And systemically, you know, separated me from the group as well as socially. Um, it really messes it messes with you and your identity and who you are as a person and how you view yourself. Most definitely. Mm-hmm. And I was also adopted by um, a non Black family, so my family's white, and it meant that going home, where most Black youth all. Oh, oh, An asterisk beside most, but where some black youth may go home and you know see themselves and their family members, I didn't really have that. And so, trying to narrate these experiences as a child when you don't even really have the language or the understanding to fully grasp what racism is in all of its many forms, um, it's very frustrating. And so, you should a lot of that by yourself. Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: when I finally did those who are supposed to protect you. Um, Not quite action, obviously, that I was hoping for because it it did nothing to address the problem naming it. It wasn't identifying it as something that, you know, they do take seriously. And, you know, this is the Durham District School Board, one that verbally and publicly, you know, now prides itself on its intersectional lenses and and anti-racism frameworks and such. But that wasn't a thing. Um, put into practice when I was still in school, and the school boards still weren't taking it seriously enough. Um, Mm -hmm. Quite frankly, I think that if full-grown adults, kids are one thing, but if full-grown adults are also perpetuating racism, anti-Black racism, um, and systemic oppressions of any kind towards students, even in a joking manner, um, that that is not the profession for them. Mm -hmm. And so definitely looking back on my experience and, and how it shaped me and how it you know, obliterated my mental health and self confidence and all of those things. Um, looking at where I am now and and the thing that we try to do to change the reality in the future for the next generation, I'm proud of how far we've come. It's very heartwarming to stand in the same city that, you know, um, brags about its Fiesta week, but then for the other, you know, 349 days of the year, doesn't really, really hit on those. Um, racist frameworks Mm -hmm. it was very very empowering to be surrounded by so many people who were there literally just to say your life matters these life matter um to us whether we're allies or whether we identify as as black or indigenous people of color ourselves so it was very powerful for me because it was the birthplace of racism in, in my experience in life um that sounds so dramatic, but,
2: <laughs> oh, <means> <laughs> you know, having
0: grown up there, it, it was, <laughs> right? But um, for me, it, it was the, Osho was the epitome of racism, and I wanted nothing more than to run away mm-hmm. um, when I got older because I didn't want to deal with it anymore. And that frame shift of, well, running away doesn't fix it for the people coming behind me. And so I've lived through it. I can do something about it. Um, and then seeing that it's just it comes full circle and it just encourages you and tells you you're on the right path keep going it can get better and it is um, mm-hmm. because people showed up and we're willing to put the work in and so you know we will change the future for so many mm-hmm. I'm very confident of that
1: <laughs> yeah yeah that's great I am um, thank you for sharing all that I'm sorry to hear how it was like growing up in in oshawa for you i can definitely see how that would be the case so when i'm hopeful um that yeah things are getting better and that people are becoming more understanding um i think oshawa is starting to become more diverse which is nice um mm-hmm. but yeah i definitely agree and hope that changes on its way um Yeah, so you did kind of talk about it a little bit, but um, getting involved in leadership positions in Oshawa with running for office and organizing the Oshawa protest, um, what do you hope will come out of all of this? Like, what do you hope people will learn from the work that you're doing?
0: So I suppose um, three key messages. One, for those who are younger than me who are seeing – us, um, you know, come together and get things done. I hope that they understand that even if no one tells them how much power that they hold in the way that things are in the world that they are also a part of and do absolutely have a say in how it looks, um, that they feel inspired and empowered to do whatever it is that, you know, they feel needs to be done and advocate for that. I hope they feel uplifted and that there is a space for them and that they don't have to wait until they're full-grown adults quote-unquote um for the older generations because there were quite a number that you know are over that 50 60 age group that did come um despite it being a pandemic and you know despite all the risks that and reasons why they could have stayed home
2: Mm -hmm. um
0: they sent their well wishes i want them to also know that we see them, we appreciate, you know, their leadership, the things that they've done before our time. And also that, that saying like, you can't teach an old dog new tricks or the excuses that we use when, you know, our, our elders are racist or, or bigoted in any way that, oh, they've always just been like that, that it's never too late to change and to push for change and to educate and relearn. Mm-hmm. Um, that in this movement, we don't leave people behind based on, you know, what generation they fit into, and that we welcome everyone to the table to to learn new things and to unlearn. Um, and then for everyone who's in the movement and in this moment with us now, that it is very much happening. And we have gained so, so much traction with the petition that's been circulating. We're, I believe, just under 15,000 signatures. Um, it's been less than two weeks. We've already got The mayors of Oshawa, Whitby, and Ajax, as well as multiple counselors at the uh, municipal and then also the regional level, who have voiced their um, support and willingness to advocate for that at the regional level, as well as local MPPs and MPs that have agreed to work towards putting forward some sort of uh, motion, bill, act, legislation um, to to enact some change for. You know, defunding the police, reinvesting that money where it's needed, um, especially as it pertains to mental health in our communities, and uh, looking at new transparency frameworks for how organizations operate within our region and how they're funded. So these are really big changes that, you know, a year ago people would have said are far too radical for us to even be talking about, but they're so needed. And in this moment in time, um, just the act of coming together and showing that solidarity was the push that we needed as a community to to make this happen. Um, I don't take for granted those fifteen thousand signatures just because it's a big number. Each and every person who has signed so far, who has advocated, emailed, reached out, and connected with us. Um, they're a person with experiences, stories, hopes, and dreams, and so I want people to recognize the power that they hold and and realize that when they vote, Um, when they see their elected officials as much as they're a figurehead they are not the be-all end-all for how and and the ways in which change can can come about so yeah just that I appreciate people and we have so much to offer and so much power and influence that we don't even realize until far too late if at all I feel. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool thank you that was a, a lot of great things in there.
0: Thank you. I'm so sorry. That was
1: so long-winded. <laughs> no, no, that was great. I appreciated that. Lots of good information. Um, so for people who don't understand, who don't get Black Lives Matter, who may not think that racism is still an issue, what would you have to say to to them? Um,
2: hmm.
0: That's a tough one. I think... Question, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, and and that's fair. I think a big misconception when people see Black Lives Matter um, again goes back to that media portrayal, how it's been you know heavily um, focused on that it's violent movement or it's you know just full of anger and rage and and hatred. and definitely those things are true. there There are those emotions within the movement, and I think that's valid when you look at history and you look at the hundreds of years and numerous generations of Black and Indigenous um, people of color that have been oppressed and, um, in many cases, uh, you know, forms of genocide. So to people who are now, at this point, still in the game, um, shrugging Black Lives Matter off, I'm taking a really new approach to myself in in protecting my energy and not really engaging with people Mm -hmm. who, Doubt the existence of systemic oppression, anti Black racism, because Google is free. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I I say that with the most, you know, I suppose, love and positivity, but Google is free. And if you are still in this deep belief that it doesn't exist, um, at this point, I think it's a choice Mm -hmm. because we've been talking about it for so, so long. In the Black Lives Matter movement, it was never meant to exclude people from the table of. Matters and who doesn't in our community. It was meant to shine a light on a group of people who, for a very, for a very very long time, essentially our entire existence in North America um, post the slave trade has revolved around the oppression and marginalization of groups um, and a social hierarchy that has ultimately spilled over into economic, political, um, well-being as well. And mm-hmm. so we need to address this disparity. We need to address the marginalization and the oppression. And if we don't, then we can't move forward as a country, as a nation, you know, as North Americans um, that pride ourselves so much on, you know, our freedoms and our rights and our forward thinking and, and progress- progressiveness. We, we simply can't because we're only as strong as, you know, our most vulnerable and oppressed populations. And I think That speaks volumes when we look at our Indigenous populations um, within Canada, Mm -hmm. our Black populations, our immigrants, our refugees. We can't leave people behind and still claim to be um, all the things that Canada stands for. Mm -hmm. So to those people, I really just hope that they will take the time to educate themselves and sincerely educate themselves on what exactly is being dealt with here instead of trying to self victimize and isolate themselves because the movement has always been open to allies. It's successful because of allies. Um, And I think we've been very clear about that. And certainly Oshawa's rally was a great depiction of what allies can do when they come out in these numbers. Mm -hmm. But I'm respectfully not spending time pardon me oh my goodness respectfully not spending time you know backtracking and Mm -hmm. trying to educate people on things that PhD scholars and social activists and academics and all of such have been doing for generations Um, the research is there the proof is there at this point we're just moving forward and trying to create that change so you're either you know on side or you're in the way and (laughs) <laughs> that sounds so terrible, but progress can't be made um, if we keep stopping at every roadblock and trying to hold people's hand through through these sort of things. So we want your allyship. We want you to be on side. We want you to feel um, welcomed and, and empowered to be part of the change. But we can't keep wasting time um, tripping up and, and pulling research improving proving why we're worth fighting for. Mm-hmm. because we'll never get anywhere. We've done that for a long time and not enough change has happened and this is why I think things have boiled over at this point. So I hope people understand and you know we'll stop trying to victimize and, and draw parallels between, you know, Black Lives Matter and well, I'm not included in that mm-hmm. because if it was your, you know, group or or um, you know, identity being challenged in its existence, I would want them to know that I would still stand up for them as well. But in this moment, it's, it's mine. And it's my, you know, brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And I would very much like them to stand up for me in this moment. So yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think that's good advice. Because some people like, mm-hmm. some people will just refuse to get it. And you can hope that eventually they will. But it, that's a good point. It's not really worth just wasting so much time on some people who just don't want to. Put in any effort,
0: right? And unfortunately, you're not going to convince everyone
1: as <laughs> much as you want to.
0: Um, but as long as people know that our arms will always be open for them when they're ready to do that work um, internally and also educating themselves, then they're more than welcome to join um, up with us. Mm-hmm. But we all have a little bit of emotional labor that we have to take on ourselves and. That's in anything, not just this movement. That's just how life is and how we grow as people. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And so what about for people who want to get involved and want to be good allies, but they're not really sure um, how to get started or maybe they're a little bit scared or hesitant to speak up? What would you recommend that they do? Mm
0: -hmm. So that's a good question because it's, something I've been getting a lot through social media so lots of people just aren't really sure as you said where to put their energy and and their skills and their focus but I think a great way is to you know do a quick little search and and see in your community if there's organizing bodies or organizers that are already doing work um, and find sort of the closest to you group that is doing doing work that really resonates with you that is at the heart of the of the message that you feel comfortable reaching out to and and offering that assistance and support for some people. It's as simple as, you know, signing petitions. Um, Petitions go a long way when they're tabled and advocated for. Um, And and we've seen that. We've seen that happen in so many instances, whether it's in America or here. Um, But also there's people who volunteer at the protests and rallies. There's people who have art skills and, um, you know, writing skills that turn people's words and feelings and thoughts into beautiful collections and or posters and messages and memos and supports for people. Um, you know, everyone has something to offer. Um, a skill that comes naturally to them or that they've worked very hard to develop that can help the movement. And there is space for everyone. So I think that first step would definitely be trying to find and connect with that local organizer or organization that's focusing their efforts in whatever it is that you feel passionate about and just offering and asking how you can help and if they need it, because we'll never say no to community support and we're always happy to provide a platform and and space for people to demonstrate their talents and their commitment to the allyship and to learn. So, That would be my advice, because every place is going to look a little different. Obviously, in America, the bail funds and the pro bono representation is huge right now. Mm -hmm. Um, The mental health support needs are also very large. Here, it looks a little bit different. We are raising money for local organizations that are, you know, serving Black youth and acting as helplines and mental health support. So the needs are a little different. But our desire to have that ally support and to bring people together is very much the same. So Mm
2: -hmm.
0: that would be my advice for people who aren't really sure, but, you know, would like some direction or redirection. Reach out, connect with us. We love to hear from you. We might be flooded in messages, but, you know, at least we know we make every effort to connect with people one-on-one and let them know. We see them, we hear them, we appreciate their allyship.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. great. Thank you. And yeah, like you were saying before, Google is free. So there are lots of uh, resources and it's quite easy nowadays to access lots of helpful content. So
2: lots of
1: things that people can do. For sure. For sure. For sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Another thing I wanted to ask you about, um, not about the protest, but um, um, I saw on your website that you are a natural hair educator. Yes, that's correct. Yes. Can you tell me about that a little bit?
0: Sure. So I have naturally curly hair and a couple of years ago, oh gosh, quite a few years ago, <laughs> um, I've always struggled with my hair. It was one of the reasons why I was bullied and harassed and targeted so much growing up. Um, and I did just about everything with it. I had a weird relationship with my hair where it was both something to be you know, admired and and pointed out by people or ridiculed for. Um, I had a connection to it, but I also didn't. And I would chop it off and I would grow it and I would chop it off and I would grow it. Um, In high school, hair was so important. And so for grade nine, grade 10, all I did was straighten it and relax it and try to get rid of the curls as much as I possibly could. And that's that whole idea of assimilation. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, you reflect on, I was very active in the organizing community in high school for my school and the school board trying to address racism, um, and discrimination. So I don't know. I suppose I had an epiphany where I was, it was my first time having black educators, both of which, well, all of which actually, who had natural hair, um, and just embrace their natural patterns. It was my first time looking back on younger pictures of myself, looking at my hair and saying, oh my gosh, I miss it. So I chopped off all my damage and started learning more about how to care for my hair, how to style it, um, the history behind it, really embracing that. And then I started, I don't want to say being an influencer, but I started an Instagram page um, specifically for hair and for hair care and garnered a really Intimate community that I was so grateful for of, of people who I could help, and then I started partnering with local brands that were, um, you know, Oshawa with the Ajax local um, that are now international and you know, like in Target, which is so crazy to me. Um, the growth that can happen so quickly, but partnering with those brands as educators, um, showing people how to do their hair and loving that part of it. I took hairstyling in high school, but curly hair, textured hair, natural hair was not something that is talked about. You're taught how to do everything on straight hair, Mm -hmm. um, which is great, except it means that you can't service the entire community that you live in, in many cases and in many places. So I was trying to compensate for that and learn everything I could to help other people because it was so liberating for me to learn more about my hair and my roots, quite literally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um <laughs> so I mean now I've you know finished hair school. Um I also have my degree. I was dead set on doing formulation and, and creating hair products for people that were accessible and good for them and taught them the things that I was missing when I was growing up.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so As much as it was a, you know, a social thing and something that made me feel good, now looking at it, the natural hair movement is such a large, large thing in North America, mostly because that's where I see it. But obviously, it's an international phenomenon as well happening over the past couple years on social media, just people embracing their natural hair and learning more about it. And there's a need for the education, and Mm so... I made space and I made time and I made resources available. So I've done lots and lots of workshops, um, lots of lessons and, you know, stage presentations and um, even people's prom hair. Cool. A couple like young men, young women who can't necessarily maybe afford to go to a salon um, or buy certain products, but wanted to rock their natural hair for their proms, their graduations. So setting them up with lessons, a style, and then also product. So it's been very rewarding in a social space and um, it does make a real difference in people's lives. And I think black hair has been politicized for a long, long time, Mm -hmm. Um, whether it be the Afro and the correlation with the Black Panthers or, you know, uh, locks and whether or not you're allowed to be hired in certain places with them. So lots of conversations still to be had about politicization of black hair, but for right now, focusing on that positivity piece and giving people what they needed has always been, you know, my main focus. Mm
1: -hmm. So yeah. Yeah. That's That's great. That journey. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that could be like a whole other podcast. There's a lot to talk about. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, but that's, that's cool that you're getting some good, positive stuff about that. Thank you. Um, What is the Instagram account? I'll go and follow it.
0: So it's uh, Mm-hmm.
1: And
0: it used to be, it's been a couple of things. It started as the Northern Naturals Network. It shifted into Shayla Poof.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, which was a play on a nickname that I used to, well, a slander, actually, that I used to be called as a child. And then um, I just, not that long ago, rebranded it to just be my name um, and a part of me that is very authentic, creative, and and based solely in that uh, hair and well-being space. So thank you. You're welcome to follow me. I haven't been posting since the organizing started, just mm-hmm. out of respect for sort of the climate that we're in. but. Um,
1: yes for sure. Okay. Um, i covered a lot of the things I wanted to ask you um, is there anything that you wanted to add or talk about at all?
0: Um, I don't think so I think you've nailed quite a lot of things that are going on definitely <laughs> and I'm very grateful for just the opportunity to, to chat and talk and maybe offer some answers and insight for people. So thank you so much.
1: Yeah. I'm very appreciative to have you. And I feel like all of these things, like, I feel like I could go on and on. There's so much to, to learn still and to talk about, but, um, for the sake of this podcast and for your time, I don't want to go too, too long. Um, okay, so I have just a couple more questions that I've been asking everyone. Um, so they're about learning because this podcast, I'm trying to focus on learning and, and get people to, to keep educating themselves. Um, so the first question is, what is something that you've been learning lately?
0: So lately, something I've been focusing on and learning more about is um, energy protection and um, valuing your time and the emotional labor that people do. Um, I think we all try to give so much to everything that we do in, in any capacity and definitely, you know, COVID-19 and what's going on right now has, has taught me that, that introspection and that willingness to take time for yourself and that self-care is so crucial. So I've been really actively trying to read up more on that side of mental health and self preservation. So, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. that's a good one, especially because I feel like, yeah, just it must be very exhausting to be educating everybody like you are. So, I feel like that would take a lot. So, that's a good thing to be learning right now for sure.
2: Um, yeah, it definitely can. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, and then the last question is: What is the biggest lesson you've learned in life so far?
2: Oh, oh my gosh.
0: Um, that's a good one. I think the biggest lesson I've learned, um, well, it was an instance really that really humbled me and and demonstrated that whether or not you're a part of something, um, like life goes on Mm -hmm. and sometimes you have to be, you know, sitting on the bench. You can't always Be on the court or on the field, and you have to trust in other people and that common understanding that things can get better. And whether or not you are fighting all the battles and carrying all the weight, or whether you know you let it go sometimes, things will get done, and you don't always have to put everything on yourself. And that it's really important to take rests because you're no help to anyone if you're. Burnt out and and barely pushing, um, so that sharing, that creating space, that passing of the torch, um, that taking breaks. It took me being um, in a very sort of scary accident to really re- recognize that. But there are things that are you know much bigger than us, and we're a small piece of a much larger puzzle. And it's okay to want to play your role, but don't overburden yourself with expectations that you're the only one who can do something because you can count on, you know, your community, your village, whatever it may be to sort of pick up the pieces and, and keep going um, when you need a rest. So, yeah, that was a big lesson to learn, but I was very grateful for it. And um, it's definitely changed how my energy is now and how I see things and and, and act. So
1: hmm mm-hmm. that's a good one no one's ever said that before no <laughs> no I like that one I feel like yeah that's definitely something I could benefit from learning
0: it's a tough one because we get so invested and we're passionate about things and we believe that if we don't do it well who will and I'm, I'm guilty of that even now um but I found that if you touch someone else's life and inspire something in them and they do the same and that keeps going, you know, things still get done because you've instilled something you're passionate about in someone else. Mm-hmm. So each one teach one, so to speak, right? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Very good. Cool. Well, thank you again. This has been a really great conversation. I hope that people listen and learn from you and commit to working toward a more anti-racist and better world
0: thank you and thank you so much for the opportunity and and for all that you do i've been poking around and creeping some of your other podcasts (laughs) Um, so i i appreciate you creating space and, and making time for me today